You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Yodi Anderson. Have you ever had a trainer come to your home? Maybe you had a problem with your dog, the dog was jumping or dragging you down the street or had threatened to become aggressive or had become aggressive with your family members or guests to your home. And the trainer said, we need to institute a good management program. Well, today I'm promoting you to management. Now, management is not the sexiest term in dog training lingo. It's not something that people always aspire to. Oh, I wish that I could instill a really good management plan in my household for my dog's behavior problem. That's not exactly the reception we get when we talk about management plans. But they're so, so important. And I'm going to tell you why when we come back. So stay tuned to get positive results on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. All day play and overnight camp, daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson, and today I'm promoting you to management. We are going to be talking about something that is critical to any behavior modification program. And I know that when a trainer comes to your home and tells you all these things that you need to change, it can be really daunting. A lot of times, though, if you follow a management plan for some of the simpler problems your dog is having, it may help you so much that you don't need to do that much more training on top of management. Some people are perfectly content to manage the problem, and that's all they need. Now, Some problems require a heck of a lot of management and a heck of a lot of training, too. Don't get me wrong. But management is so important to any behavior modification program. In my latest book, The Dog Behavior Problem Solver, I have a chapter per problem. So there's a chapter on barking, and there's a chapter on jumping, and there's a chapter on fear and aggression. And each chapter has an entire section on management alone. That's how important this is. So I decided to dedicate a whole show to it. So I hope that you will follow me along on this promotion that you have to management. There are typical management strategies that will help you. And of course, all the problems are going to be different. And I can't possibly address them all in one radio show. But the key to management is preventing a dog from practicing the behavior that you find annoying or dangerous. Sometimes the behavior is dangerous to the dog and to other people. Remember that practice makes perfect. And the more you practice at something, the better you get at it. So the more your dog practices doing the behavior that you don't like, the better he gets at it. We want to help prevent your dog from practicing that behavior as much as possible because that's when the habit forms. If you see a problem behavior happening 
and it's in its infancy. It's just starting. Maybe your dog just started growling over his toys. That's when you call for help. Please don't wait. Please don't wait until it has blossomed into a full fledged habit that is now so entrenched in your dog that it's going to be really difficult for any trainer to be able to help you. You really want to nip these in the bud as soon as possible. And so you do want to call for professional help, especially if it's a problem with fear or aggression. You really want to get some professional help, qualified help with a reward-based trainer to help you with those things. But remember, Management, as we're talking about today, is helping to prevent a dog from practicing behavior we don't like. Helping the dog, it doesn't really solve the problem the dog may be having. It may not stop it entirely. Sometimes it does, depending on what the issue is. But it's basically preventing the dog from doing that same thing over and over and over again so that he gets really stellar at it. For example, a dog that jumps. He's jumping on people over and over again, drives you nuts. Your family no longer wants to visit you because your dog is just jumping on them. He's a big dog. He's leaving marks and he's really friendly. He's not trying to hurt them, but he's jumping on them all the time. That's annoying. Well, there are things that you can do to prevent the dog from jumping. Do we want to train the dog not to jump on people? Heck yes, of course we do. And there are humane, fun ways to do that. However, there are certain things that you can do to manage the problem so that he is not going to maul your guests until he can learn alternate behaviors. Another good example is aggression. If the dog is practicing an aggressive behavior. I once had a case years ago where a dog had a couch. Well, it was the owner's couch. I'm sure the dog thought it was his, but it was the owner's couch. And it was up against a front window, beautiful big bay window that looked out on the street. And this was a medium-sized dog. And he would jump up and he would bark and lunge and growl at everything that went by this street. And it was a fairly active neighborhood. So there were parents walking children in strollers. There were people walking dogs. There were young people on skateboards. There were kids on bicycles. There were joggers. So there was a lot of activity in this neighborhood. And this dog was clawing up the windowsill. And in fact, the owner had come home one day and seen the dog just vigorously throwing himself at this window so that the window was shaking. And that's when the owner called me for help, thinking that the dog sooner or later was going to take out the window. And this dog was just all worked up. Fur was up, hackles up, just very upset. It's an aggressive behavior. It's very rewarding for a dog to do this. You'd think that the dog would get tired eventually, but some of you who have these dogs know that that's not necessarily the case. And the dog would just be practicing this behavior day in, day out, day in, day out. And you think about it from the dog's point of view, we can only guess, not to anthropomorphize, but if a dog is successful, if a behavior is rewarded, it is repeated. That's the laws of learning. That's not TOD's law. That's just a basic law of science of learning. So it's very rewarding to a dog to continue this behavior because it was very persistent. He did this day in, day out. If a young person on a skateboard zipped by and the dog barked at him and the kid went away, the dog thought he was successful, chased the kid away, did it again, did it again, did it again. Did the young man on the skateboard have any care in the world that the dog was barking at him? No, but the dog didn't understand that. So this dog found it very rewarding, very reinforcing to bark and throw himself at the window. Well, in order to manage this issue until we could train the dog to do something different, I suggested 
blocking the dog from the window? Can you shut the blinds? Can we put some of that contact film? I think, I don't remember the exact term for it, but it's basically contact paper and it has a sticky side and it it can make a window look blurry. In other words, it will block the view for the dog. Can we put that up on the window? Can we put the dog in another room? Can we create the dog? Can we confine the dog? And the owner was very resistant to this. The owner wanted the dog to have access. I said, well, okay, but if you don't manage the problem, it's going to be extremely hard to extinguish because this dog is rehearsing this behavior all the time. Every day you have such an active neighborhood, this dog can't help himself but launch himself at this window and bark and growl and tear up your windowsill. So until we find a way to get this dog away from this window, it's going to be very, very difficult for the dog to learn an alternate behavior because he gets to practice this all the time. Owner finally relinquished and we worked out putting the dog in another room so the dog could actually see success. Resistance to management can be prevalent. And a lot of times, you know, maybe in this particular case, it was a very open floor plan house. And so the person found it difficult to block the dog from there. And they didn't want to use the crate. They thought the crate was cruel. Well, what's more cruel is leaving a dog in a crate that's adequately crate trained and properly crate trained to love his crate or letting a dog work himself into a frenzy day in and day out, right? So management is really, really important. This dog had practiced this behavior for well over a year. That's 365 days of practice. That's really good practice. How many of us practice skills we need to practice that often, right? I remember when I was very young, I took guitar lessons. And I'm a musician now, and I love the guitar. But when I was younger, I didn't like to practice. And so I didn't practice as often as I should. And I did not get any better at playing the guitar because I didn't practice it. So if it's hard enough for us, to make accommodations. Imagine what it's like for our dogs who don't control anything about their lives. We control everything for them. So let's look at some of the tools that you may use to manage certain behaviors. These are common tools that you probably already have in your home that will help you with no matter what problem you have. One is a leash. If your dog is leashed, and of course, I'm not talking about being leashed unattended, but if he's leashed, he's not able to practice bad behaviors in certain cases. Take the dog that jumps on all your guests. I work on lack of jumping with so many clients. I do it in my group classes, do it in private lessons. And I'll go to the house for a private lesson and the dog is loose and the dog jumps on me when I come in. And I'll ask if they did their homework. They said, well, yes, we did our homework. But I said, well, here's the thing. You knew that I was coming. So you had a perfect opportunity to practice it in a real life situation, but your dog was not attached to you. If your dog is not attached to you, you can't control the environment. This is not to say you're using the leash to yank the dog or punish the dog, but you're using it to manage the dog's space. If he can't reach your guest, he can't jump on them. It's not that you're yanking him off. That's not the point. The point is to prevent him from practicing the behavior. So management is part of an everyday life routine. Leashes are awesome. Puppies, puppies pee in your house. They don't know not to pee in the house. You have to teach them. And until you can teach them, letting them trail a leash while supervised can often help you snatch that leash up and rush them outside for a potty break when you start to see them go. You can interrupt the behavior and then you can take them outside because you're attached to them. When you do house train your dog and you're working through a house training program, take the dog out in the backyard on leash so you can control the environment. If the dog is able to go chase butterflies and bark at the neighbors and roll in the dirt, he forgot he had to pee. But if you're attached to him, then you can control his attention 
limit his explorations till he can focus on the subject at hand, and then you can let him loose to play. So leashes are a fantastic management tool. Leashes need to be used in public. When you have your dog out on leash, you don't want them to drag you into another dog's personal space. That dog may not appreciate it. So you just plant your feet and don't allow your dog to drag you there. Leashes are really just simple management tools that really, really can help you a lot with a lot of different behavior problems. Harnesses can also help you with certain issues of pulling or jumping behaviors. I'm a big fan of the harnesses that clip in the front. And by that, I mean that the leash clips on the chest part of the dog where the dog's chest is. It just helps you control that forward movement that much better. And it's great for dogs who pull. Do you want to teach your dog to walk nicely on leash? Yes. Yes, you do. However, until you are able to do that, you might want to save your rotator cuff or, you know, your, your arm muscles by using a front clip harness because it'll help manage that behavior until your dog can be trained. Management is a really good tide over until training can take place. Something else to use a lot and I often recommend them, is baby gates. If you have a dog that is pestering guests or bothering the heck out of you while you're trying to eat dinner, or an aggressive dog, or a dog that has so much fear that he might become aggressive with people who come to the house, baby gates are awesome. And of course, they sell them in pet supply stores now too. They're not just for babies anymore, but they can cordon off a part of your house to where your dog has a nice little safe den where he can be, where people are told to leave alone and not interfere with him, especially with my aggression cases. I use baby gates a lot where the dog is on the other side of the baby gate. And I'm tossing treats over the baby gate, making friends with this dog. And the dog has a little safe den where people are not allowed to go. So he feels safe there. And then your guest feels safe too, because there's a baby gate in place. And these need to be baby gates, especially for aggression cases that are going to affix to the hallway or door frame that they're in. It can't just be propped up there. It does have to be affixed. It can be the tension rods, as long as they're firm enough, strong enough to keep your appropriate size dog on the other side. Again, for fearful dogs, it allows them to have movement because they have a little bit larger space than a crate. However, it keeps people on one side of that barrier. So your fearful dog can feel a little safe in his little area of the house where guests do not come. Again, you have to train the people too, but he can feel safer behind those gates. For the adolescent hooligan dog that wants to maul all your guests in an affectionate manner, baby gates can help cordon him off for that too. So they're just fantastic, fantastic tools. A little bit more confinement would be a crate. I love crates. We've talked about crates so many times on this show. I wrote an entire book about crates. Crates can save dogs' lives. And sometimes when you have guests over that involve small children or your grandparents are coming over and they're very fragile and you have a large, rambunctious adolescent hooligan dog, little crate time isn't going to hurt anybody. Crates used appropriately are fantastic, fantastic tools, especially for dogs that need confinement for health reasons later in life, for safety reasons. Can't beat them for house training. They're great for house training. But crates are good management tools. You have interactive toys, stuff a Kong, make it frozen. If you have a dog that's really good at unstuffing him, put him in his crate with his Kong, put a little music on, let the dog have a nice little peaceful moment while you're enjoying your guests so that you don't have your blood pressure go through the roof and your dog doesn't get to practice jumping on the guests, for example. One tool that some people find a little bit daunting is one that I routinely use for my aggression cases, and that is a muzzle. Muzzles 
are awesome. I prefer basket muzzles because dogs can pant, they can drink, and they can take treats. The goal is not to wrap their muzzles so shut that they can't breathe. The muzzle is to keep people safe. And again, I use these in my aggression cases. And what I do is I get an appropriate size basket muzzle and I work with the clients to teach the dog to love the muzzle. It's like wearing a little sporty helmet, a little sporty piece of headgear where the dog is shoving his head in the muzzle. He loves it so much. And I might do a later show all about muzzles, but muzzles are fantastic because what happens is the dog wears the muzzle, learns to love wearing his muzzle. It's just like wearing a collar, just like wearing a leash, just like wearing a harness. Putting a muzzle on ends up being not an issue for the dog if trained properly. So the dog loves wearing his little muzzle. People feel safer because the dog can't hurt them. The dog is in the muzzle. The teeth aren't going to come in contact with them. The people feel safer, so that stress level comes down. The owners feel safer. That stress level comes down. They're not as worried. Even if the dog, if there's an accident, the dog gets loose or something, the dog's not going to hurt anybody in the household. And one thing that I think it's overlooked, too, is vet visits for aggression cases, is that a lot of times when you take an aggressive dog to the vet, and sometimes they're only aggressive at the vet, depending on the dog, If the dog shows signs of aggression, the vet staff is going to have to muzzle him for their safety. And if the dog has never had a muzzle on before, this becomes an even greater traumatic vet visit where all of a sudden he's confined and he's got this thing put on his face and he doesn't understand and he feels out of control. And it's very, very scary. For my aggression cases, I teach the dogs to love the muzzle. They wear them into the vet's office. It's no big deal. The vet staff says, thank you very much. We love you. And everybody is safer. The dog can be safely handled by the vet staff without having to traumatize this poor dog, which they have to do for their safety reasons, in putting a temporary muzzle on. So muzzles can be absolutely fantastic tools, management tools for aggression. Do they teach dogs not to bite people? No, they don't. It's a management tool. And I think they're daunting because it's hard for people to admit that their dogs can be aggressive and it's it, they look scary. But you can put uh, different kinds of duct tape on them. They have really cool ways to decorate them now where people use like really like paisley printed duct tape or and then they wrap it all around the muzzle. You can make it as pretty as you need it to be. Know that the dog doesn't care, but if it makes you happy to bedazzle the muzzle, you go right ahead and bedazzle it. It's okay. But muzzles are fantastic, fantastic management tool, especially for safety, especially for working up close with dogs and helping them feel safe in environments where they're not going to hurt people. Sometimes, in addition to tools, you're going to have to make some adjustments in the home. And I'm going to talk more about that when we come back. But let's take a break. Once again, this is Teodi Anderson, and you're listening to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Well, she's sitting curled up on my lap as we speak. (laughs) Beautiful Bella's my long-haired Dotson. She was thrown out of a pickup truck going 30 miles an hour, and she disappeared into the woods with the wild animals, uh, boars and coyotes. About four weeks later, she just appeared and she was a mess. Her fur was matted. She scratched almost nonstop. My friend suggested that I order this stuff called Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. She gobbles it up. She has been itch-free ever since, and her fur is 
gorgeous. Anyone out there who has a rescue dog, start them on a Dinovite diet for at least a 90-day period. They bond better with the people who take good care of them. They are going to be your buddy for a very, very long time. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio Talk and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. We've been talking about different tools that people use for management. And one of the things, in addition to just a tool, may be an adjustment that you need to do in the home. For example, dogs always get in the trash. Well, in addition to buying a trash can with the lid, you have to remember to put the lid on the trash can. Sometimes you have to remind your teenagers to put the lid on the trash can. But that is a habit that you need to get into. This is not to lecture you and say, you know, you should allow your dog to get in the trash if he wants to. No, what I'm saying is until your dog learns not to get in the trash, let's just put the lid on the trash. <laughs> because if he continues to get in the trash, he could eat something that would hurt him. Plus, it's just going to irritate the heck out of you to come home from work every day and there's, there's you know, trash all over the floor. If your children have toys, buying toy bins with lids that secure enough so the dog can't get into it can help save those precious toys. Is it really hard to teach your kids to put their toys away? Yes, it is. You can teach your dog. We teach a dog to help put the toys in the toy bin, which is a fantastic trick. And uh, the kids may enjoy uh, cleaning up their rooms faster. That could be one thing you ask your trainer to help you with. But in the meantime, let's put a lid on it because it is devastating to a young girl when her prize stuffed bunny has been mauled by the family dog or your young son who can't find his collector leg Lego edition because the dog is probably ingested a couple blocks of uh, note there. So getting toy bins with lids can be extremely helpful as a management solution until the dog can be trained. Something as simple as learning to close a door, just close the door so the dog doesn't have access can really help. And these are habits that we need to fall into ourselves. I know that when I moved to Florida, I found out how good a manager I really was. And I'm a professional dog trainer, so management is second nature to me. But I didn't realize how good I was at it. And I don't mean that to sound cocky, but basically what happened was Sawyer ate one of my fiancé's flip-flops. And he had never, ever done it before. And it, the move was stressful for Sawyer. It was, it was stressful and challenging for all of us. But that's not why he did it. I'd never allowed him to have access to shoes. And my fiance, who, as you probably know, is also a professional dog trainer, just laughed. He goes, you don't know how good at management you really are. He goes, you never let him even practice the behavior because you're always good at putting up your shoes. And I was. My shoes were never out of my closet. My closet door was never open. So Sawyer had never had access to my shoes. So he found a novel item. He said, this smells fantastic. I think I'll tear it apart with my teeth. And so I owed my fiance new flip-flops after that. But it's because I was so good at management, he'd never had a chance to practice bad behavior. So does that mean that I told my fiance that he should put his flip-flops up? Pretty much. Uh, Does that mean that my fiance immediately started putting his flip-flops away? Not really. 
So we've been working on Sawyer not to chew flip-flops. And he's much better. I would like to add that there have been no more flip-flop casualties since that instance. But it's habits. It's habits that we have to do and habits that you need to get into just to help your dog. Because learning to close a door is a lot less stressful than missing the flip-flops that you really wanted because you don't have a spare pair and you're going to the beach this weekend. When dogs chew our things, it's very frustrating. I know that. So a couple habits in the house of prevention are just going to help you in the long run, I promise. Another action that you can take in terms of management is confining your dog when guests arrive. If you have a dog that is either a hooligan or not safe around guests or uncomfortable, and remember, fearful dogs that are not happy around guests need to be put away too. It's never good to force a dog to confront something that's fearful to him. So putting him in a crate with a stuffed Kong and some nice music or favorite television show is much kinder to that dog than getting upset with him because he jumped on a guest that you knew he was going to do because he does it all the time and you haven't trained him yet. So confining a dog when guests arrive, that way you can enjoy your guests and not get mad at your dog. That's just good all around. Putting your dog up in a crate, for example, during Halloween. If you know the dog is going to get very upset or bark incessantly at all the goblins and ghosties and princesses that come to your door, ringing your doorbell for candy, put them up. Put the dog up. Save yourself a blood pressure attack and just enjoy the Halloween with all those little cute children. Hand out all your candy and then let the dog out afterwards. Either that or use it as a training opportunity. That's always a bonus. But sometimes you just don't want to train. You just want to break. And I totally get that too. Sometimes management is a little more challenging. Sometimes it means separating dogs from certain people in your household. I've had clients who had dogs that were extremely fearful of the men in the household. Only the men. And... It was not a good combination while we were working on the behavior mod for the men to be in close proximity to these dogs. It was dangerous for the person. And it was also very upsetting to the men who love dogs. And they, they didn't understand why the dog didn't love them back immediately. So sometimes they had to be separated. Sometimes you have dogs or multiple different types of animals in your household that need to be separated. Sometimes your new dog is not safe for your kitty cat. Or sometimes your new kitty cat isn't safe for the other kitty cat. Or sometimes the cat's not safe for the dog. Or sometimes two dogs have fought and sent each other to the emergency room and now they're not safe together. So sometimes it is a rotating schedule of baby gates and closed doors and leash management and muzzles in order to have each dog have separate family time. And there are people who live like this and and my heart goes out to them because they're so dedicated and they love their animals so much that they're willing to have these complicated routines. Sometimes it's temporary, sometimes it's not. It just depends on the training. It depends on the dogs. It depends on how long they've been practicing that behavior. So there are a lot of factors in this. Is it going to be a short-term management solution or is this something that's in for the long haul? And when I talk about long haul, I want to talk about a phrase that you may have heard trainers use in the past and it's management always fails. This is just a depressing statement. It's a very common term and you may hear your trainer say it. You may, anytime you have trainers together and they talk about management, somebody always spews it out. Management always fails. I choose to look at it a little bit differently. I don't want it to be a message of doom that even though you are a fantastic pet owner and you've put up these baby gates and you have this in place and that in place and you have signs on your refrigerator with instructions for everybody and how to work with this dog and you're working really hard to train the dog, but you're going to fail. You're always going to fail. Management fails. You're going to be demoted. I think it's horrible. What I will use it as a cautionary tale and that 
is always have a plan B. Always have a plan B because someone's going to leave a door open. Someone's going to forget to put the bin on the toy box. Someone's going to forget to put the lid on the trash. Someone's going to forget. Or a dog's going to be too fast and get out the door before you can move fast enough to block. And so always have a plan B. Perfect example of that is aggression. And I use aggression a lot in these samples. Although remember, management can be used for everything from leash pulling to jumping. But aggression is is when everybody pays attention because it's dangerous. When I'm working on a safe place for dogs behind a baby gate in a certain part of the house, I always do muzzle training because sooner or later you have that unwitting guest who loves dogs who sticks her hand over the gate, don't you? Even though you've told Uncle Joe to keep his hands to himself, he still wants to believe that he's the only one who can pet the dog. And if the dog isn't muzzled, then the dog can nail your Uncle Joe, and then that just creates family drama for the rest of your Thanksgivings together. So management always fails, is what the common phrase is. There's going to be a time when you're walking your dog, and a toddler runs up behind him and gives him a hug, and you never saw that toddler coming. And if your dog is nervous around children, you could have an incident. So try to have a plan B, and that's part of good management too. If this plan that you've put in place, which is working great, what if you had to tweak it? What if something happened? Play the what if game. It doesn't have to be scary. It'll help you prepare. And preparation is always good when it comes to management. So today we've been talking about management. I hope this has been helpful for you. Again, it doesn't have to be daunting, but if you put a good management plan in place, it's going to help you in all of the training that you do. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for my producers for making the show happen. I am headed on the road next week. I'm headed for Orlando. I'm going to be at the American Library Association's annual conference doing a book signing. So I'm really excited to be hanging out with librarians next weekend. I have spent so many happy hours in libraries my entire life. I am obviously a writer, but I am a big book lover. Reading makes me very happy. So I'm very excited to be sharing some time with librarians next week at this book signing and I will be back in the future with even more shows maybe we'll do a whole show on muzzles yeah you'll have to let me know give me a buzz at email teoti t-e-o-t-i at petliferadio.com you can find me on facebook facebook.com slash anderson and my newly revamped website teotianderson.com once again thank you for listening to get positive results on pet life radio take care Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.